Hello everyone, I'm Joe Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a ministry of the International Outreach Church Partnership Evangelism. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about how you can help us reach lost people around the world by raising up evangelists in every place. Or go to breadoflifeboise.org to learn about our missions fellowship in Boise, Idaho. Over the next three broadcasts, we're going to consider a question from the Apostle Thaddeus that was asked of the Lord Jesus. It is possibly the most important question that was ever asked of him. And Christ's answer, if you will receive it, will radicalize your life. It appears as though the misunderstandings of the disciples become the pathway through which we receive some of our greatest clarifications from God. Some of the greatest statements that Jesus ever made were made in response to people who didn't understand what he was talking about and asked him to explain it to them or demonstrated that they were ignorant and Jesus was correcting them. So don't feel bad if you don't always understand what God is doing. And don't feel bad if you don't understand always what God means in any given situation. Seek Him for wisdom and understanding. And in the process, He may reveal to you truth and insight that can revolutionize and transform your life. Thomas says to Jesus in the same chapter, Lord Jesus said that He was going to go away and that they knew the way that He was going and they knew where He was going. And Thomas said, Lord, we, we don't know where You're going and we don't know the way. We don't understand this. Jesus said, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. A little later, Philip says, Lord, you know, if you would just show us the Father, that would be enough for us. He doesn't understand. Jesus says, Philip, have you been with me so long and yet you don't recognize me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And now Jesus will begin, as we'll read in our passage, to speak about the wonderful gift, the mystery of the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, and the deep internal ministry that he brings to the disciple of Christ, that he brings to the believing man or woman. This deep work that God brings in our life where we apprehend him, where we begin to understand him and know him and be aware of him. Jesus is speaking of these things, and now Thaddeus doesn't understand what he's saying. Let's go and begin reading in verse 15, and we'll read down through verse 23. Jesus says this, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father... And he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now the comforter there is the Holy Spirit. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Now it's very interesting as you read through the gospel accounts that Jesus oftentimes takes the place and stands in the place of God the Father. As though when he speaks of God the Father, the next thing he does is he attributes those same words to himself, as though he was speaking of himself. And Jesus just has explained this to the disciples. I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And now what you see is Jesus putting himself in the place of the Holy Spirit. He's just said, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. Let's read this again so that I don't miss the point here. It says, The Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. Speaking of him. But then he says, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And it appears as though Jesus is now drawing himself into the picture. They're confused. But the confusion is they don't understand that Jesus and the Father are one and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. I will not leave you, Jesus says, comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while... 
and the world sees me no more, but you shall see me. Because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and that you are in me, and that I am in you. He that hath my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will show myself, manifest myself, reveal myself to him. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, that's Thaddeus, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Now here's was Thaddeus' problem. You see, Jesus was speaking of a spiritual reality, the working of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit would come and make Jesus real to us. By the way, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, the work that he does in our life is that he makes Jesus real to us. He brings into our life the presence and the power of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He is saying, listen, I have been with you, and now I'm going to be in you, and I'm going to come to you, and you are going to have a deep apprehension of God, a deep apprehension of the things of God. Jesus speaks of it so powerfully. He says, it is as though you will see me. And I don't believe he's referring to the fact of his resurrection, the fact that in a short while he will die and rise again, and they will see them with, with their physical eyes. I believe at this point in time that Jesus is talking about the fact that they are going to have opened up to them a spiritual apprehension whereby the eyes of the Spirit will see him and understand him and know him. Thaddeus doesn't understand him because Jesus is speaking about spiritual things and Thaddeus is thinking about physical things. How is it possible, Lord, that you will manifest yourself? And when he says, I'll manifest myself, this is what Thaddeus is thinking. He will reveal himself as King of kings and Lord of lords to rule over all the nations. Lord, how are you going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world? He was thinking of the physical realities. And Jesus, at this point in time, was speaking of deep spiritual realities, deep spiritual mysteries. He was talking about knowing God in deep communion and fellowship. He was talking about the reign of God in the heart of a man, the reign of God deep within our souls. And so this is why there was this confusion. This is why there was this misunderstanding. And this brings us to our first point, and you can write it down. And you'll see it by what's said after this. Let me finish reading verses 22 and 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, answering that is his question, Judas, not Iscariot's question, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loves me not keeps not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. I'd like us this morning to focus particularly along this verse 23 that we've just read. Here's the first lesson. Here's the first point. Deep communion with God is a mysterious subject. Write it down. Spiritual realities are mysterious and difficult to explain, difficult for a person to understand. They are known by the experience of them, not by the verbal accounting of them. You see, Jesus was talking about a spiritual reality. Thaddeus didn't understand it because Thaddeus had yet to experience it. It had yet to been found out to be true in his life. 
This is true when a person comes and speaks about the deep things of God, that there are things that we can speak about easily and feel as though we've communicated. We might be able to take a biblical principle on how to raise your child or a biblical principle on dealing with your finances or address some law that's very clearly stipulated in Scripture. But then we get on the subject of knowing God and understanding God and walking with God and communing with God and experiencing God in a deep way, and we find ourselves struggling to find the right words and put it all together because the deep things of God, deep communion with God is a mysterious subject. It's not a surprise that Thaddeus doesn't understand it. We don't always understand it. It cannot be understood unless you experience it. That's where the knowledge is imparted. You know, the Bible is full of all kinds of poetic reflections on a man's relationship with God. Most of the Bible, if you look at it, is basically, particularly in the Old Testament, is written in poetic Hebrew verse. And the reason was that poetry is the song of the heart. And when men came to begin to outline what God does in a man's life and how God reveals himself to man, they couldn't somehow communicate it with simple prose and an essay. They had to write a poem. They had to reach for something deeper than just mere words. They had to try to find in the grappling of those words, in the organizing of the words, the spirit of the reality of what they were trying to share. The Bible is full of all kinds of allegorical expressions of what it's like to know God. We sang from the scripture that passage that says, As a deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for thee, O God. Isaiah says it this way, They who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Now, I've got a question for you. What does that passage really mean? Now, let's not just break this down and break down the, the syntax of all of this and understand what the verb is for run in the Hebrew, but what does it really mean to mount up with wings like an eagle? What does it mean to run and never be weary? What is that like? We don't really know. You will never really know by reading the passage. The understanding does not come in the reading. The understanding comes in the experiencing of that reality. Jesus said in John chapter 7 at the great feast of tabernacles, he stood up before all the people in the middle of that tabernacle, remembering that time in which Israel, when journeying through the wilderness, had a rock that they could strike, and out of that rock would flow water that they could drink and sustain themselves. And Jesus says in the middle of this great feast that celebrates that time of their wandering in the wilderness, If anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, I ask you something. What does that mean? Now, John tries to explain what he means. John says Jesus was speaking to them of the Holy Spirit, which he had not yet sent because he had not yet been glorified. That is, Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit that he was going to pour out upon his believers, but he had not given the Holy Spirit yet because he had not died yet for their sins. He had not been buried in the grave. He had not risen from the grave. And he had not been glorified by ascending into heaven. And at that point in time, then he poured out his Spirit. And so we could say, well, that's what it means. It just means the pouring of the Holy Spirit out upon us. Now, does that help you understand what it means when it says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water? You get the theological idea of what he's talking about, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? That answers our question. No. Listen, we do not truly understand what it means by simply reading the text. Revelation 3.20, we quote it quite often. Jesus says, I stand at a door and I knock. If any man opens that door, 
I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. And we intuitively know that he's standing at the door of our hearts. And what he wants to do is gain access into the inner recesses of our being. And if we allow him to come in, he'll sup with us and he'll eat with us and he'll break bread with us and he'll bring deep fellowship with us. And I have a question for you. What is it like? What is it like to have Jesus come and to have a meal with you in your heart? Well, you'll never know by reading the text. You'll only know by experiencing it. You cannot dissect these verses into theological categories and say, well, this passage is talking about salvation here. And over here, this passage is referring to sanctification. This is referring to the filling of the Holy Spirit. This is a description of fellowship in the body of Christ, and this is a description of glorification. And look, we can then try to decide what the time is in which he's referring to. Well, the time that's really being discussed here is the moment of conversion, or what's being explained here is the moment of repentance, or what's taking place here is the moment when a man realizes reconciliation with God. This happens, you see, at the beginning of the Christian life, or someone says, no, 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 well, this is really something that happens subsequent to a time when a person is saved. Somewhere later on, he goes through a crisis experience, and this is when it takes place. And we all have our conjecture, and we all try to understand all these things, and we all give our own the peace of our mind about what it all means. But we can say what we want, and sometimes we can be right, and oftentimes we can be wrong. But whatever you say, let's say this. You will not understand all that this means until you experience it for yourself. That's why it's a mystery. This is a deep and profound mystery. Man experiencing communion with God. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.